Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about mortgage rates, housing starts, inventory, the Fed, and more. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. It is wonderful to be here. I am in New York City already. That's why I'm in this very small apartment, as you can, if, if you're watching on YouTube. And I believe you'll be here in the next couple of days because we're here for a, um, you are doing an event. So super excited about that. And I'll be joining you. Uh, of course, I got to get up. You know what? I got to do this again. I got to get up at 1, 1.30, 1.15 in the morning to do a CNBC interview. This is the downside of being in the West Coast. In some of the early shows, you got to get up at like 1. So, and then I got to fly to New York. Yeah. That's not even getting up. That's like not going to sleep, I think. Yeah, pretty much. I've tried that once. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. Okay, well, so we have a ton to talk about. First up, the Fed. So we are actually recording this on Tuesday because of your flight schedule. So let's talk about what people should be looking for from the Fed meeting and also, you know, going out, not just tomorrow. Yes. uh, You know, it's Tuesday. So the Fed's going to come out on Wednesday talk. And for me, again, it's, it's, The talking points is where do they want real yields to go? And what I mean by real yields, the 10-year yield, the Fed funds rate, everything is kind of high for them right now based on where the inflation growth rate is. So the question out going out for the next 12 months, do they try to manage this marketplace to where they could get actually to the point to where they can cut rates? Or do they actually just say, hey, listen, the economy is too good. Uh, there's a lot of deficit spending going on. Japan's not, you know, uh, uh, intervening as much on their um, uh, bond market, and you know, we will accept where the ten-year yield is going. I think that's the main thing to think about now, because as of right now, we're still in an expansion, but we're playing with fire at this point, especially on uh, on the housing side. The key is going out. F- do they allow the 10-year yield to kind of break out and then possibly force them to cut rates faster if it leads to more weakness in demand? Or are they just going to say, listen, we're going to try to manage this as much as we can, uh, uh, let the growth rate of inflation fall, and then start talking about, well, we can maybe cut rates just a little bit next year. Try to try to keep everything in bay to keep the expansion going. I think that's, you know, by, by the time you're hearing this, a podcast that that topic will be hopefully addressed because that's what I'm waiting for to see. Because if they're starting to talk about rate cuts without a job loss recession, that is like code for okay. We believe bond yields and and Fed funds rate is is high enough here that we don't have to push the lever. Listen, the mortgage and real estate industry would so be happy if we were talking about even you know just holding, not doing any any uh, rate hikes, but rate cuts, cuts, that would be music to their ears, right? Yeah. You know, th- there's, a, there's a two-edged sword here. The 10-year yield will go lower by itself if it, if it gets a whiff of, you know, uh, weakness in the labor market, uh, jobless claims rising. 
this will, in a sense, force the Fed to cut rates faster than they want. They don't want that. So right now, they just want to keep things at bay. So you don't necessarily need the Fed to cut rates for lower rates. We saw this last year. We saw this happen. We saw mortgage rates go from 7.37 down to 5.99%. Uh, it was a it was a, a boost of life into the housing market. It stabilized the biggest crash in sales ever. And we're just kind of meandering right here. So it, 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 this becomes a little bit more dicey at this point on, on how, how they can manage this on, on the jawboning side, because if they're starting to talk about cuts, they're also mindful of, of the lag effect on Fed rate hikes. Uh, but again, like we've always talked about here, so much of con- U.S. consumer debt and even uh, corporate debt on its side are, are fixed longer. Uh, there's no more short-term uh, recast. You know, I, I had this discussion uh, with an Airbnb bust person that, you know, oh, it's 2008 because Airbnb bust people are lying about their mortgages and getting second home rates instead of investment. Well, back in the days during the housing bubble years, you had investors using negative amortization arms and they were getting more exotic from years 2022 to 2020, uh, 2002 to 2005. So when those rates recasted, end of story, game's over. So there, there's a there's a there's a structure of debt that's different here. So it's really interesting how how does the Fed try to manage this and make sure they could get the growth rate of inflation to keep on falling? Because you get more and more comments that are less hawkish and a little bit more positive, but that ten year yield is getting uh, to a level that they're slightly uncomfortable about, especially if it breaks out. If it goes lower, they're kind of letting it go. But uh, a, a, a huge portion of their work is done done with right now. So right now it's 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 more of a managing game at this stage. So your your message to the Fed would be like hands off, just leave it alone. My my message, I wouldn't have done the last four rate hikes. I mean, I would have just I would just would have tagged the uh, Fed funds rate to where uh, I thought the growth rate of uh, PCE inflation was going. Now this means I'm not talking about rate cuts, but I'm not playing that game about you know needing a job loss recession to defeat inflation like they've been talking about. So uh, there's a whole different mindset on how I would deal with it, but I'm just one person and one person should never have that kind of power. Uh, but in, in this regard, uh, I, I, I think it surprised some people that they're talking about rate cuts with jobless claims so low. But again, they're trying to keep this economy intact while the supply levels of certain uh, inflationary problem areas are coming in. And and you know, we have one of these uh, uh, issues right now. Um, is the apartment boom over? You know, something uh, uh, I wrote about uh, this week. And, you know, in some of the interviews I've given uh, to other media outlets, I've talked about, you know, if you stay, if you keep rates high enough, long enough, it eventually will impact the supply. And I think the, to me, the apartment boom that we've had, and which is a big talking point of mine about defeating inflation, more supply, you're now pushing that lever to where uh, construction loan rates are too high. It doesn't make sense for some deals. All those apartments under construction, uh, that's not going to happen, right? The, the census counts forward-looking uh, 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 permits or, or establishment ideas of how to get uh, more apartments online. But if the, if the finance isn't there, it's just not going to occur. So that's why I said the apartment boom in itself and its logistical form is is over just because we have more supply, we have higher rates. It doesn't make financial sense for some people to close the deal right now. 
so hopefully we could get as much of these uh, uh, apartments online because the last thing you want is like, you know, what happened in the 1974 uh, recession. You just have a collapse in apartment construction and, you know, people just did not get back into that in a, in a, in a, in a big way. Uh, so, and this is the danger and the Fed knows this. They've written things about this before where, you know, if you keep rates high enough long enough, it eventually defeats the purpose. And then, you know, a year from now or two years from now, you know, uh, we don't have the right apartment supply. Um, so it's it, we're, we're at that stage to where higher rates are now impacting the future production of five units. And uh, that's not good. My whole premise is supply defeats inflation in the long run more building is a good thing uh uh, and uh we're we're pushing the limits on that one right now we had a big drop on uh multifamily construction i i'm i'm very mindful of census data month to month where you see these really big moves up or down they get revised but i'm thinking more 12 months out and construction loans uh have gotten so expensive that you really the numbers really have to make sense for somebody to, to to commit to that at this stage. So I know that, say, six months ago, we were talking about how it would be good if we saw um, this sort of drop in the multifamily space, because as rents drop, then that shows the Fed, hey, you've done your job, you can stop doing this, because that's the part of inflation they're they're looking for. How are you, how are you looking at this right now? Here's the thing. This is the aspect of being old and slow that's problematic for the Fed. It's now getting costly to to close some of these deals down, and they are not going to cut rates fast enough to offset that. So it becomes this slow turning event, uh, and then they meet every six weeks. And you know, it, you know, with COVID, it was different. We we had a we had an emergency issue. They just cut rates down to zero, and games on. They're not going to do that here. So uh, it gets so tricky over the next twelve months. Uh, now, people say, well, housing permits look really good. This is true. Uh, in the article, I try to explain why, because the builders are finding ways to sell new homes by, you know, uh, lowering rates on their side. And, you know, the builder's confidence index has fallen. Again, I, I love the HMI data. Uh, it's also people are saying, well, new home sales are up double digits. Yes, because not all the builders are created equal. They're the big publicly traded builders that push a lot of the uh, new home sales and production, uh, they're able to uh, lower rates and move products. But qu- that is starting to be getting into question too. So uh, if you look at the housing starts data, it's a huge drop. If you look at the housing permits data, looks looks good. You know, it's nothing gangbusters, but it mirrors to what new home sales have done. And again, the bread and butter is new home sales. New home sales, single family starts. That's, that's what it is. And uh, uh, that article really highlights in those charts I put out to, to explain the divergence between housing permits and housing starts. And you know this boom in apartment building, which is so great. More supply, better, awesome. You know, People say, oh, there's, a, there's areas of the country that might have oversupply. Good. Bring me more, right? Uh, because that's the best way to deal with inflation is more supply. And uh, it gets a little bit more tricky now. Now, let's say the ten-year yield is at two point seven five percent. The mortgage spreads are normal. Rates are under five percent. You have a much different housing market, but that's not the market we are dealing with today. As uh, even though mortgage rates haven't hit the recent highs, they're very close to there. Uh, um, and it's like I said, it's just going to be a little bit more tricky now uh, um, at this stage with with housing data uh, and you know 
the the need and, and desire to have more uh, construction built to uh, to provide more shelter for people across the country. So this flows into the next part of what I wanted to talk about, which was inventory. And before we jump into that, I wanted to note for our um, listeners that we've sort of changed up the way we're doing the tracker. Um, you were, you know, so here you get this data from Altos Research. You get up to the minute data on every, you know, every location in the United States, every MSA, and what's actually happening with inventory there. And what you used to do is tease it out on social on Saturday, and then write the article, the tracker on Sunday, and you're not doing that anymore. So tell us a little bit about how you've changed that and what this last tracker showed you. Yeah, we're going straight Saturday uh, to give uh, uh, the HW Plus readers uh, full access. And, you know, the inventory the last four weeks has been wild in the sense that, uh, especially new listings data, we've had these, we had a very, very slow orderly decline in new listings data for a while. And I was like, the, the last thing I want to see is new listings take another leg lower. That's that, you know, especially as, a, as somebody who doesn't believe in the mortgage rate lockdown, you don't want to see another uh, a leg lower. So everything looks good, but you know, it's four weeks ago. All of a sudden, we see this big move down. We see this big move up, and then we see another big move down, and then we see a big move up. And you know, you have to kind of explain what's going on here. And uh, I explain it is that we have very low levels of new listings data, and because we had uh, Labor Day, we had the start of school. It's creating a very violent period. Uh, so you, we uh, now that we're past that stage right now, uh, should it go back to normal? Yes. Or is there more going on here? So the next few weeks will be re- really critical. And, and the same thing happened with active listings. Now, active listings this year has not done what I wanted to do. I'm, I'm still waiting for my first week that I could get at least eleven to 17,000 active listings growth which isn't like spectacularly big, but it's a positive in the right direction, have not hit it. Now, Two uh, a few weeks ago, we had a very slow, barely positive. And then right after that, we had the biggest uh, uh, week-to-week active in- inventory increase. I averaged those two out because it's just it's just been very wild on, on the data recently. And we have events tied to this. So I think going out in the next three to four weeks, things should calm and be normal. And again, I'm, I'm a very pro-supply person choices are a good thing. Um, I can't explain to you home prices being back at all-time highs if we had normal inventory levels, but we don't. So we need to create kind of a buffer. And the reason I like a buffer is, you know, if rates fall down, we have something to work with. Uh, uh, And that's why it was so critical to get off of that 240,000 single family level that we had in, in, in February or March of 2022. You know, it was February of 2022 that I said, created the savagely unhealthy housing market, deemed it to be the worst housing market I've seen uh, post-2010. Uh, because again, I'm not a big fan of too many people chasing too few homes. It was for what we call forced bidding. That creates elevated levels of inflation. That eventually impacts demand later on because things are so expensive. And we saw that play out in 2022. But again, rates just fell down 1% or 1.5%. And we can see what happens. Uh, uh, prices just went right back up to all-time highs just because the active listings are low. So I'm very, very pro-supply, but I have not gotten any weeks that I've been looking for for this year. So I'm hoping it occurs. Higher rates creates more inventory. Lower rates 
does not create more active listings. That's a myth. Mortgage rate lockdown is a nice marketing gimmick, but it when we see in the data is that higher rates, longer times on market, that has been able to facilitate. And we're not talking a, a like massive amount of inventory when inventory channels are normal, but it does create breathing room. Uh, this is why uh, I'm hoping, at least for a few more weeks before the seasonality kicks in, that we get a little bit more than going to the spring of 2024. But the last four weeks have been very wild, and I, you know, you could, you know, if you look at the data uh, o- over the years, you see this action can occur around Labor Day and the start of school. So that's why the tracker was uh, was trying to explain that in the data. Of course, new listings data is still trending at the lowest levels ever, but I'm still hoping that one of my call for that is correct, that we actually do have some flat to positive year over year dense because I has, still haven't seen anything yet that creates a new brand new low. Like to me, a mortgage rate lockdown is like a doomsday scenario. New listings data would be, you know, 70% lower than what it is right now because nobody would list their homes. But uh, that's not happening. We're having an orderly year at the lowest levels ever. So the, the velocity of data can be wild, especially around events. I think that's, to me, one of the biggest advantages of having the tracker is that we don't get this report and then like people are like, oh, this means this and this means this because those, you always say weekly data, you can't put too much, you know, stock in that. You have to look at the trends and that is what the tracker is for because um, to your point, you know, when you're coming off that low level, you can, you can have these things that look like, I mean, and you see the headlines and it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And actually nothing's happening that much, right? If you're really looking long-term. You know, it, I think that a lot of the frustration is that last year was such a high velocity event and then this year wasn't. And people are like grasping for straws on something to, to break out of this mold. And one of the things, you know, uh, uh, we're going to show in the tracker now is showing the uh, year-over-year percentage on price declines. Uh, um, historically one third of all homes in America have price declines. Uh, and how I'd like to show this in the data is to, is to take 2021, 2022 and 2023, three really extremely different years, you know, where price cuts were below 30% because it was such a, it was such a hot pricing year. There, there's not enough inventory. And then, you know, last year we actually got above 40%. Uh, but this year is a little bit above 36. So the year-over-year growth is actually uh, year-over-year data has d- declined on a, uh, uh, on that price percentage. Price cut percentages are lower than what they were last year, and it also can show the the firmness of of the marketplace only in the sense that guess what, existing home sales aren't crashing anymore. And by the time you hear this report. Uh, uh, or this podcast, the existing home sales will be out on Thursday and not much, there's nothing going on there. And we're stuck near 21st century lows where last year we had this historical event to go from six and a half million down to 4 million. And I, I still think today people don't understand what they witnessed. That was the biggest crash in home sales ever. And that stopped on November 9th. And we're sitting here and you know, uh, we can break under 4 million again with higher rates, but the velocity of data is different. And because of that, the price cuts aren't as aggressive as they were, or the inventory growth isn't as aggressive because we've gotten down to such a level in sales that the home buyers or this and the sellers that are buyers are just in a different financial position than, let's say, a marketplace that was 
uh, showing six and a half million monthly sales trends. I think it's crazy that we are where we are in the year and you have not gotten one print yet this year that had the kind of inventory you were looking for, which is that what, 11,000 to 17,000? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's been a talking point of mine for, for some time is higher rates should get us there. And so far it hasn't stubborn, you know, uh, a little bit under 10,000 last week, which was the biggest week to week increase. Um, so maybe it took, it's going to take higher rates than, than, than I thought to get us there. But, you know, the market has just changed. And I think part of that is when you deal with high velocity data, you know, there's so much noise out there, right? There's so much noise. And, and I encourage everyone, you know, the, the podcast that Sarah and I did talk about why aren't home prices um, not crashing with higher rates anymore. That, that interview goes into so much detail about all the events that happen. And we're trying to get people in line to the realities of the world and not believe in speculative theory. And the, the reality is the growth rate of inventory is just slow. But going out in the future, the difference is, what if mortgage rates don't fall? What if rates don't fall this time around? Uh, we go into spring basically at 7%. That makes it a very, very interesting 2024, especially at the start of the year. Because one of the things I try to emphasize last year, when rates start to fall, the growth rate of inventory doesn't increase, right? It slows down, can stay flat or even go uh, negative as demand picks up. Last year, as demand was picking up, it pushed out the start of the seasonal bottom to the longest time frame ever. It was the April 14th. Usually, we start at January, February, and we have this increase, but that wasn't the case. And part of this is we're not working with a lot of num- inventory levels anyway, so any kind of move in the demand, and that's that's one of the bigger fears I have with housing now is that we're already at such low level of sales, and if rates go down a percent... You, it doesn't necessarily have to create booming demand, but it just keeps us stuck here. And that's the that's always been the big fear of 2020 to 2024, is that what if demand picks up and we get to a low level and housing tenure is long and people don't move as much and we're just stuck here, we're fighting back and forth. Uh, um, and w- that's why we got to track the weeklies. We got to find that inflection point on either the uh, inventory to the upside or the downside. And uh, I'm still still waiting, still waiting for my eleven to seventeen thousand print on the weekly data, uh, new listings data. I'm hoping it just has an orderly decline toward the end of the year, and then we get ready for the the big tamale year, 2024. Sarah, I, you know how long I've been waiting for this. I know. I just me editing you, um, especially that first year. I think I edited you in 2020. I was editing your um, stories. I started I mean- writing in 2010. The 20. 20- 2024 was going to be it. That was going to be the last year I ever did anything because uh, the whole, the whole, all my work for the last 14 years was just based on these two different times, 2008 to 2019 and 2020 to 2024. So, so this is, this is it. This is kind of the year for me. And uh, uh, the discussions will take a little bit different uh, approach as the, the demographics of years, 2020 to 2020. Obviously everyone can see what's happened. Uh, we, we have a lot of what I call replacement buyer demand. Young people buy homes, right? If we didn't have them, you don't have those buyers. You're just working between, you know, move up and move down. But we do have this massive uh, millennial base and they do need somewhere to live. Uh, um, And uh, uh, it's just an unfortunate, unfortunate thing that home prices escalated out of control. (laughs) 
So unfortunate. Um, I would remind our listeners, come here, Logan. Um, he's going to start us off at Housing Wire Annual. He and I are going to uh, end up all the sessions. We're going to be on stage together doing a live podcast recording. We're going to call people up from the audience. We're going to finally have this mortgage rate lockdown debate. Um, I need you guys all there to be supporting me so that I can, uh, you know, show Logan why he's wrong here. And um, I know we're close to selling out of our room blocks at the hotel. We've got tons of people coming. Uh, if you're not one of them, you should sign up now. Um, come see Logan in person. Come talk to us. And uh, can't wait. In the meantime, Logan, thank you so much for keeping us on track. Pleasure is all mine, sir. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.